Welcome everyone to Cassant Live. It is officially Saturday. It is Saturday, right? I hope so. I hope Correct. it's Saturday. Okay, cool. It's Saturday. Welcome everyone. Mallory, Adrian, Pam, Megan. Welcome everyone in chat. We see you guys. It is Saturday. We are live. We have a special guest with us uh, who I don't know if we've had on the show necessarily, but we've definitely had on the Twitter space in the past. We have Dr. Marewa Glover with us today. Uh, We're going to be discussing some policies from the other side of the world. uh, And we've got some stuff going on here as well that Alex is going to drag us through. How are you today, sir? Doing all right. Uh, we have we have visitors in town. Uh, Julie Westner and her husband are here. Uh, they're they're yes. doing their retirement tour of the world, and so uh, they came up to beautiful Plattsburgh, New York, to see see some of the sights around here in the North Country. We went went hiking down at Ossible, Ossible Chasm and uh, got a tour of some of the military history here. So it was uh, it's been a good day so far, and. We will be done here promptly at 5.30 because I have theater tickets and we're going to go watch some comedy tonight. Oh, nice. See, you yeah. know what we should have done is dragged Julie into your office so she could say hi to everyone. I, I, I tried and she's just not, you? not having it. So. <laughs> she was like, nope, not having it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that sounds exciting. Yeah. How's your weekend? Uh, it's, I don't know. I worked. I'm here. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to build a fence in my house tomorrow. Fantastic. That's, that's like my whole weekend. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know what I want to do on my one day off a week work, <laughs> but it's so free. You, you don't get so, uh, indigenous people's day or the, the formerly known as Columbus day off. No, no, nope, no, 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 but that's okay. That's all right. But yeah, other than that, uh, I mean, my week has just been just been kind of uh, typical, I guess. Nothing, nothing crazy, nothing new. Just a lot of work. It's cooling down. It's hoodie season, which is just like my favorite thing in the world. It's finally hot coffee and hoodie season uh, here, which is just amazing. It could stay this. It could stay in like the the like low to mid fifties for the rest mm. of forever, and I would be the happiest person because that's like the best temperature for me it's not too cold but i can i can work all day i could you know what i mean and you don't like get super hot and sweaty and exhausted i don't know this is like the perfect temperature for me but i run warm i don't know i just run warm i'm kind of a i don't know warm blooded i know body temperature we're all like the same temperature but i run warm so like super hot heat is exhausting and at the same time i also have like a bunch of metal in my body so super Mm -hmm. cold is not great either so right here, like 55, beautiful, amazing. Nice. We always talk about the weather. So let's stop Yeah, uh, and let's get into, uh, what do you say we get into a little bit of legislation before we get on with the show? Because I know we have a few things that we need to talk about. Well, no, that's a real separate thing. I don't think much has changed since the last time uh, we did a, a live stream um, there, nothing that I have found that's been introduced or is, is firing up, but folks in New York city should be on the lookout for, 
an ordinance that would ban the sale of menthol and uh, flavors in all tobacco products. So if uh, perhaps you picked up a tin of General Snus and you figured, oh, this has a modified risk statement attached to it, I can continue using this mint product. New York City uh, seems to think they've got a much better handle on the situation than the Food and Drug Administration. Admittedly, many many just regular people have a better handle on the situation than the FDA. Um, but New York City does not, and they may be moving forward with an all-out flavor ban for all tobacco products. Um, we're also kind of waiting to see something introduced in Columbus, Ohio. There's a former city council member uh, who has... Uh, somehow been motivated to come strong against tobacco and nicotine. Uh, and so uh, keeping an eye on Columbus, again, nothing's been introduced. There've been a few op-eds published, um, but that is a potential hotspot uh, soon. Uh, also, I, I've heard some back and forth about Michigan. Uh, it's that same raft of anti-vaping anti bills. Uh, there were a couple of bills that ended up being kind of common sense that were passed uh, this year, um, but there's still three or four of them out there. And it's, it sounds like there may be some renewed interest in passing them. Um, so keeping our eyes on, on Michigan. Uh, right now, those are the only three hot spots. I, I feel like there's, there's a fourth that I'm missing. Um, but again, this is, you know, for, for a lot of this, we haven't seen things introduced yet. It is the end of the year. So uh, the, the, the things that we'll be paying attention to are going to be local legislation. Uh, so your cities and towns and stuff, uh, we'll see what happens between now and Christmas. Um, and so with that, um, that's, that's, the that is story. also a great place to plug our Facebook state groups, uh, because that is a, a great place for people to get involved as well. And I know that we've talked about this ad nauseum, um, but we're only able to track so much. There's, there's what over 30,000 local governments and municipalities in this country. Uh, and as many of them as we track, a lot of those smaller ones do get by us. And that is a great way for people uh, in those those state groups on Facebook to get involved. If they catch wind of something that we may have missed, you know, kind of raising a flag about it and, and putting a note out there about it is a great way for us to there from from there amplify that out. And, and I, I will add one last thing uh, for everybody in the United States to pay attention to Um the uh, the RV has been dusted off and put back on the road. And so the We Vape, We Vote tour is uh, it's out there. They got an event today in um, Prescott Valley in Arizona. Uh, so check out WeVapeWeVote.org. Uh, sign up for updates. And of course, we'll be tweeting about this uh, and I'll be sending out emails to folks in towns where the where the RV is coming. Um, and, uh, and I, I am actually a bit of my schedule is changing, so I may or may not be joining the tour. Um, but, uh, so, uh, we, these are all the dates here, uh, at least all the cities that they're, they're coming to. I think yeah, there's a few added in Pennsylvania. Um, so anyway, come out, support the tour, uh, potentially get to meet some candidates, have some, t have some discussions with people running for office, um, register to vote, all the good things. Midterms are coming up. And so the more education we could put in front of candidates about this, the better. Um, and, uh, so yeah, once again, we vape, we vote.org. They got uh, social media stuff out there. I think they got kicked off of Instagram already, which is amazing. Um, and, and that is, I think pretty much all I have to introduce the show. 
Awesome. Cool. Oh, and I do want to thank uh, Kristen is here. Uh, she's in the background running kind of all the background technical stuff. So thank you, Kristen. Um, she is here with us. And if uh, anybody has questions, she'll be able to pull those up on screen and things like that during the during the show. So uh, shout out to Kristen. I can see her, but you guys can't see her. So that's it. Anyways, All right. Let's get into the rest of the show. Let's bring our special guest on. What do you say? Hit it. You ready? Ready for the bean footage? All right. Do do that thing. Do the thing? All right. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Glover. How are you? Good, good. Early Sunday morning here in New Zealand. And not on a bit of a cloudy gray day. We basically have like the same day going on then because it's just been gray and cool here as well. We had a lovely day yesterday. It was like, yes, summer is coming eventually. That's right. You're on the other side of everything. So yeah, we're yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're in the midst of fall. We've got peak colors in parts of the Adirondacks and uh, it's a nice, cool, sunny day here. Um, but uh seeing as this is your Sunday morning and part of your weekend. I know your time is precious, so we'll get right into this. Um, and the reason why we had you on is, is you you presented at the GTNF, um, the Global Tobacco and Nicotine Forum last week. Uh, and I had the pleasure of meeting you in person and, and seeing you present there live, uh, which is great. Uh, but uh, the, the subject here is, of course, New Zealand's new, uh, I, I guess they're calling it the smoke-free generation law, or uh, it has the, the, the other one, which is the smoke-free environments and regulated products amendment. Um, and uh, just to kind of catch everybody else up to speed, first of all, why is an American consumer group talking about this? Well, uh, this is being billed as innovative and uh, something that other uh, nations are likely to look at. And so if this does get fully implemented, uh, there is the real concern that this will be duplicated around the world. Uh, we've already seen attempts here at the state and municipal level to do things like implement a kind of progressive minimum legal sales age. Uh, and so basically, whenever the bill is passed, anyone born after a certain date for the rest of their lives will not be able to purchase any kind of tobacco or nicotine product legally. Um, and, you know, here it's been kind of ham handed efforts. I think, um, uh, someone on, uh, somewhere a- on Long Island was, was looking to implement a minimum legal sales age of 25. Um, and, and we've seen it pop up here and there, but no one's been successful in the United States. So it is a bit of a shock that something like that would happen in, uh, New Zealand. Uh, and also, uh, this is, uh, the bill proposes to reduce nicotine content in cigarettes um, cigarettes will only be allowed to be sold in specialty stores. Uh, of course, vaping will remain legal, uh, but uh, the quality of those products seems questionable considering how, how heavy they're going against uh, uh, cigarettes. Um, keeping in mind that everything that they've done against cigarettes, they'll likely bring it over to, to vaping as well. So um, maybe that's a good spot to kind of toss it to you and, and fill in some of the gaps here. Uh, what sounds like it started as a good faith effort to promote vaping to people seems to have turned quite coercive. Is that kind of what you've seen happen? 
Yeah. So we actually, it, this is very relevant to the US because the FDA announced the that they plan to look at this, you know, use of reducing the nicotine in tobacco cigarettes and tobacco for smoking. So your FDA is going to be looking at this. And as happened previously, whatever you guys do, then the New Zealand government go, okay, we're going to do that. And we're going to do it before you do it. Um, So uh, the other, you know, the other reason why it's relevant to the US is because you have people like Ruth Malone and Stanton Glantz and, you know, really rabid um, prohibitionists who have no compassion at all and are just will do anything, anything at all to um, have smoking and vaping completely banned and all all products. So these guys, you know, Ruth and our people here who, they're, they're like a networked uh, global cabal. They, um, they have gained dominance over nearly the whole nicotine tobacco um sector not everyone like um you know there have been many other scientists like myself and been around a long time who you know we're like putting out statements and you know you have people like that as well who have withdrawn from the society for research on nicotine and tobacco because they've completely lost it have gone you know the mission statement if you want to be a member of the of the society for research nicotine and tobacco you now have to sign that you are committed to the complete elimination of all tobacco and nicotine products um so you know that that society is basically corrupted now um, and can't be trusted and they are prohibitionist and they they clearly state it so our New Zealand academics are completely networked in with Ruth Malone and your guys and and they're using New Zealand as a petri dish so we're just going to be the experiment you've got um, Eric Donnie and um, Dorothy Hatsukuma, people in the US who have been, been doing research and experiments on these reduced nicotine cigarettes for a very long time. And as we have done a few here too, and I've been um, co-investigated on one of those studies, a couple of those studies. Now, the problem with the very low nicotine cigarettes or the VLNCs as they're referred to in the US um, is that there has Never, it's been very, very difficult to get a real live life uh, setting trial. These products have never been trialed in a real life setting. There's been a few kind of controlled trials, a few kind of um, really, but, you know, even when you get people sign up to, um, oh, let's see if um, we give people these very low nicotine cigarettes and let's see if that helps them to quit. In a controlled trial setting, they still always have access to full strength or their usual cigarettes. So we don't know what's going to happen if the only tobacco cigarette or rolling tobacco that is on the market are the, is the tobacco without 
pretty much without nicotine, like a tiny, tiny amount of nicotine in it. Subfunctional, not going to work. Like imagine they ban combustible engines and cars and you have one and you need to get to work. You're going to go out the next morning and like, okay, they've taken the engine away. You can sit in there, you can like play with the wheel, but it's not going to go anywhere. And that is exactly what these cigarettes are going to be like. I did so, want to, if to, to yeah. interrupt really quickly because this is this is a really interesting thing that that I think some people were talking about at GTNF, uh, and there was a representative from 22nd Century on a panel I think at the end, uh, and I had a side conversation with somebody, and they uh, were talking about their sort of what they were gathering in terms of um, user data from Chicago. Uh, that they were hearing from people and there there were no numbers presented. So there's nothing really out there to back this up other than what representatives from the company have said. But they've been hearing from people that they voluntarily switched to VLNCs. And uh, within a couple of weeks, they switched to vaping. And I'm sort of curious what your thoughts are on, on that and 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 really, uh, the the other thing to consider here is that right now, people are able to voluntarily buy these cigarettes and do you know whatever process they want. But we we need we do need to keep in 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 mind that that our FDA and of course New Zealand are now suggesting that this should be a mandate. So I, I don't know if you if you have, have thought about the not not really data, but hearsay that they presented at the conference and and what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, 22nd Century have put out a media release in New Zealand. Um, They said, oh, they've been working with researchers here. Uh, They've been talking with government and they are uh, at the ready. They have enough stock, they said. I mean, pretty much they will have a monopoly. And there's a whole lot of other sort of, well, concede breaches of world trade agreements, foreign investment laws, etc. To hand a monopoly to one country, that you know, that's a little bit, um, there are some risks legally for New Zealand, but um, the current government don't care about any of that. They have a majority and they'll do what they want to do. Um, and so they're big on social engineering type projects like this. Um, with the the very low nicotine cigarettes, it's important to remember or to to know that these have been around for a long time. Um, tobacco companies have occasionally put out very low nicotine cigarettes. Um, you know, I mean, you can probably buy one percent cigarettes still. Um, the thing is, they've always failed at market. You know, people will buy them, if, you know, they'll buy them once. So it's Sunday morning, I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at my head. I'm all over the place. I look like Logan. No. <laughs> um, oh, well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I should have worn a beanie as well. Um, so they See, that's why I do, because what's going underneath is bad. It's not exactly. good. It's not fit for YouTube at all. <laughs> We, um, you, you know, people will buy them and try them and think, oh, well, this will help me quit. Or, you know, I mean, people who are not intending to quit or don't want to quit are not going to bother with them. Um, there's certainly no reduction in health risk. You're still smoking. It's still got all the combustibles. It's still got all the toxins. Um, the only thing that's not there now in any kind of reasonable sort of functional level will be the nicotine. And that isn't what kills people. So people will buy them and try them. 
but basically they've always, always failed at market. So the only way that 22nd Century's product is going to be viable for them is if a, a country like New Zealand and state by state by state by state um, does this mandate thing and hands them a monopoly. It's also um, a kind of a, a weird product in a way because people are going to use it and own for a very short time. Uh, we had one of our biggest uh, New Zealand vape manufacturers supports this law change, supports the law change because he thinks it's going to push everybody to vaping. Mm. Um, New Zealand has set it up because they banned the oral nicotine pouches. Uh, they basically banned any other kind of, oh, we do have heat, not burn. But because advertising of tobacco products, they classified heat not burn as a tobacco product, so has tobacco in it, advertising of tobacco products is banned. So the heat not burn is here, but nobody knows about it. Hmm. Um, they can't advertise it. Uh, and in the Vaping Regulation Act, the ministry, well, it, it controls what you're allowed to say about products. So in a vape store or any retailer's, are controlled quite tightly really what they're allowed to say about products. Um, they're not allowed to promote products. So I guess if someone's there, you know, the retailer can't say, okay, so you don't like that, you don't like the idea of vaping. Well, I do have this other product you might like to try. So it's very... It's very underhanded. It's very tricky. It's really controlling. Uh, and the the very low nicotine cigarettes, the whole tobacco control sector are being very underhanded. They are not telling people that there is so little nicotine, it is not going to get you from A to B. It is not going to be satisfying. Um, so we can talk about, you know, later on the potential consequences of this. But we're being used as a petri dish, a social engineering experiment here. I do not agree with that. Um, and all of your researchers who want this in the US, who want this around the world, uh, just, you know, like, yes, yes. We got some idiots to try it. Yay. Yeah. On the edge of their seat waiting to see what happens there. Yeah. 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 Speaking, yeah. speaking you, um, so I, I mean, this is uh, obviously the entire population of New Zealand is being experimented on here seemingly, I, I mean, arguably without their consent. Um, but this has a, a, a particularly uh, disproportionate effect on Naori in, in, in New Zealand. Maybe you could kind of, talk about that and, and some specific things that will more affect that population more than, than the rest of the country. And did you say that you have Indigenous Day tomorrow? Uh, yeah, Monday. Monday is our okay. Indigenous Peoples Day, formerly known as Columbus Day. All right. Well, that's kind of timely, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, like a couple of generations back or 30 years ago when I started in this work, Māori, the who were elders, who are elders now, and some of them have passed on, they were very, very uh, alert to colonial and settler 
and, and academics and all of the social engineering stuff. They were very alert to it. Um, indigenous people around the world who have been colonised have been treated. There's a, there's a really sort of horrible history in terms of what researchers have done to Indigenous people, like the Sami people up in the top of uh, Finland, Sweden, Norway, and, and into Russia. And they used to measure their their heads, you know, like how, and, and just awful stuff and stripping them bare and studying them. And um, so Māori here, older Māori, were very, very alert to the ways in which the colonists wanted to sort of research us and experiment on us. Um, so a couple of generations ago, the Māori community here would have been absolutely like, you are not using us as guinea pigs. We will not agree to this. This is unethical. Um, and unfortunately, that older generation of kind of, some of them have passed on. Um, the, the younger generations, and you know, older generation like me, you know, we're pushed out of academia, you know, we get to know too much, we get to professor level and it's like, mm -mm, get rid of them. <laughs> so I'm not the only Māori who has got to prof professorial level, can't even say it, professor, and then have been, you know, kicked out of university somehow or they get rid of us because, um, you know, we're then there, we are then academically equals and, uh, have as much right and that what we're saying should be listened to and that is not acceptable to them. So there's the younger generation, um, you know, one, they have, they're being paid, so they're working in tobacco control, their jobs are on the line if they disagree, um, and they're also just being completely duped now, especially since I've been gagged and they're not allowed to read my research or, or listen to what I say. So... Um, it's like the younger generation of Māori are not aware of of what of this huge experiment that is about to happen and that New Zealand is going to be the first nation. What a perfect sort of setting to to you know test something on people. We're an island. Uh, we're three hours from our closest neighbour. Uh, that's by plane. So imagine how long it's going to take for a shipload of tobacco to get across the sea. And then we have very good border control. Um, you know, we have ships patrolling our marine border. Um, you know, I'm sure, and at the moment, there is tobacco being smuggled in, in very clever ways, mainly from China. But it's a lot of it, some of it's getting caught. We don't know how much is getting through. What we do know is that the demand for black market tobacco now, because of the price, this is even before they take the nicotine out, um, the black market tobacco is through the roof. Um, the demand is not being met. Uh, there isn't enough black to market uh, smuggled in. It's, there's not enough coming in from overseas. Um, so we... The robberies, which, and I did the study previously, and I think we've talked about it before, and so the gangs and others now are robbing retailers for tobacco. Uh, now they've started also ram raiding vape shops. So vaping mm. product has become uh, as valuable on the black market 
as tobacco was. So that that's a little bit of a shift after the Vaping Regulation Act sort of put a little bit more constraint on and probably increase the price. Hmm. But what happens, you know, what's going to happen if they take the nicotine out of the cigarettes? Um, you know, it's just going to be, I'd say, murder. I mean, hopefully nobody does get murdered, but um, we're having retailers and stores here attacked every week, um, ram raids. It's, it's you yeah, know, it looks like crime is through the roof. And the politicians are going, oh, youth gangs, it's youth gangs. And um, and they're saying, you know, anything, anything else, it's, it's not them, it's not the policies they've passed, it's not the highest tax in the world relative to income that they've imposed so that cigarettes are too expensive for the poorest people to even buy. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a perfect sort of social experiment, and the outcomes are not going to be great for a lot of people, the poorest people. Māori still have, I think we're down to 37%, no, sorry, 27% smoking prevalence. Um, among the richest white New Zealanders, they're already down below 5%. So they think, oh, now's the time to go hard. You know, let's let's yeah. just ban it. What an opportunity! What an opportunity to uh, you know increase police budgets, uh, particularly in those communities as well. Um, you know, given you've already talked about, well, we've we've put in these policies. We're going to blame it on the gangs, which is just you might as well just throw money at police at that point. Obviously, that's the only solution left. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so storm. Yeah, and um, it is it is mainly Maori and Pacific who are in the lower socioeconomic groups, and who are living um, in that lifestyle and in those communities where they use crime to make ends meet, and more than make ends meet, you know, like why get a job? Crime pays. Hmm. Um, Sure. yeah, so it's yeah, like I mean, it's, it's the perfect storm. It's you know, there's a we we make criminals is is kind of a, a big thing here in this country, and obviously a lot of our horrible policies get passed on to to countries like New Zealand. I mean, that's our biggest export out of America is horrible drug policy. Um, yeah, and I mean, it, it really, truly is. Um, and, and it's a really big shame, too. And like you were saying, you know, the, the Maori communities are the ones that are going to take the brunt of that, you know, that that over policing and whatnot. When we when we we now deem this illegal and that becomes an opportunity for already lower income communities to make ends meet to survive. You know, we, we force people into this corner and then yeah. we, we look at them and we go, oh, look, you, look, we've pushed you into this corner. Well, that's all you can do. But by the way, that's illegal. So now we can arrest you. Uh, and I mean, this is this is like straight out of the American playbook. Um, it is. And that's, it's, that's it just, is that, horribly unfortunate. It is that war on drugs. I mean, you know, it, it's a very strange situation to be here in at the moment because we have like the Greens Party and and a strong sort of lobby lobbying to lobbying against prohibition but also lobbying to legalize cannabis hmm. one reason is because of the criminalization of people who who use cannabis and that we've got 
you know, people who might be, I remember a woman up north, a Māori woman, and she was like a, you know, big in the community, doing a lot in the community, and she got um, caught um, in possession of cannabis and was a regular cannabis smoker apparently, and I think she got like jail time, and everyone was like, hey, you know, like, so um, there is a strong lobby here to stop that, um, to decriminalise uh, the use of cannabis. At the same time, they're moving yeah. to criminalise smoking tobacco. And, yeah. um, you know, it's like it's, it, it's, it's real sort of Jekyll and Hyde stuff and just sure. crazy. We see that in this country on a, on a major level. I mean, we've uh, even recently, even though, you know, some people celebrate this a bit more than I do with Biden's recent uh, announcements around around cannabis. And, and um, I think one of the biggest things for us to look for right now is is what they're going to do with the scheduling of cannabis and, and hopefully just completely descheduling it. But um, I mean, yeah, we've we've made a lot of progress with cannabis uh, and, and psychedelics and, and other substances here in this country. Uh, you know, we've um, decriminalized uh, in in Oregon. Um and so we're, we're making small steps uh, in, a, in a lot of, of, of ways around drugs. And then at the same time, you know, we're we're going straight into war around nicotine. And it's it's really, I think, an addiction to prohibition is really what we're suffering from. You know, it's, it's like a need, even though we make progress over here, we have to take backward steps over here. And nicotine is just that low hanging fruit that's going to take, you know, the brunt of a lot of that. Um and, and it's I, it's the same way there is what it sounds like. I, I did it since we we are talking about people being backed into a corner here and and dovetailing off this question from Adrian Mason. Um, first of all, the, his question is what happens if someone is a, is addicted to cigarettes under the age of the future system? Would they be denied THR? And also, sort of coupling this with one of the features of this this bill uh, is that starting in 2024. Um, and by the way, I got. Uh, uh, excellent article report, um, which, oh, I can't add it to the screen, um, in which you are quoted, uh, Dr. Glover and also Nancy Lucas, um, banned for life. Check it out. It came out on Monday. Um, so at one of the features of this bill is that in 2024, the number of legal retail outlets will be reduced from about 18,000 to fewer than 500. Does that include uh, shops that are selling vapor products or is that just cigarette sellers? No, so it's 8,000. We have about 8,000. It's not, our tobacco retailers are not licensed. It's a very expensive system to do that. So we've never mm -hmm. done it. So they're not licensed, but there are about 8,000 throughout the whole country. Now you've got to keep in mind that um, New Zealand is, is the size of Japan. So we're, you know, everyone thinks of a tiny island in the Pacific. Um, no, we're actually sort of very long like Japan and cover the same kind of distance, although they have like 121 million or something and we only have 5 million people spread out across the country. We have over 1 million living in Auckland, our biggest city. Um, but if you can picture 5 million people, you know, we have a lot of people who live rurally, who live distant from cities. So there are about 8,000 shops. Uh, obviously a concentration in the cities um, and then but for example where my sister lives and 
I think it's about 15 minutes down to her local petrol station. There's a kind of a convenience store there. That's pretty much about it. And that would be where she gets cigarettes. If they, if they can't sell cigarettes, uh, actually we don't know where, there's no, nothing in the legislation that tells us any kind of plan of who will be able to sell or where. Um, they have said they're going to target lower socioeconomic areas. Hmm. Now what they mean is maybe no retailer because those hmm. people have less mobility in terms of being able to afford to travel to another area to find cigarettes. Um, so down from about 8,000 to 500 to 1,000 um, stores will be allowed to sell combustible tobacco products. So, they haven't said in, anything about vaping stores. Okay. The, that's under the vaping regulation. Okay. Um, the denicotinization or taking the nicotine down to, you know, sub-functional level, that's also just in combustible products. Um, and, and the age, the age raise, is that for all nicotine or just combustible? Don't I? I actually don't know. I okay. think that they were probably because they align, they try to align. The law should be simple. It should be, you know, the less complex, the better. Um, and I don't recall anybody asking about that or saying, "Oh yes, this age ban is going to be for vaping products as well." I'm mm. pretty sure it will be. That would just be too complex, right, for them to right. say, oh, but you can still buy vaping products. The the people who hate vaping in this country are going hard out now that there's another amendment going through to try and repeal some of the, um, the access to vaping products. They, they want to see it peeled back. That, so they will be pushing very hard for this age ban to be applied to vaping products as well because nicotine's the problem right it's yeah. nicotine you know sure uh, yeah. well yeah. uh I, i'm i'm assuming though just because they're they're pharmaceutical products though that that those products will still be as available as they are right now um so, gums lozenges yeah. things like that will they still be uh, available to to for everyone essentially as far as I guess not necessarily for everyone, I, I, I'm not talking about like 12 year olds, but as to adults, will will those products also be uh, affected by these these age restrictions? I don't think so. I mean, even when um, cigarettes was banned for like anyone over 18, cessation providers could could um, prescribe patches or gum for under 18 year olds who wanted to quit so i think that we will still have patches gum lozenges and we have them the um nicotine spray as well um, yeah that seems to be the only time that you know um nicotine prohibitionists just seem to be okay with it you know, yeah well a pharmaceutical company sells it yeah. as a, a tropical chill gum cool fine no worries <laughs> Yeah, of course, those products are not very effective and, and most people don't like them. So, um, yeah. you know, that that's the problem. Um, yeah. yeah. 
So I wonder if it's, if it's a useful time to look at my slide that I put up at GTNF just to explain the New Zealand law. Um, this is what is actually in, in the law. What, and yeah, and the other thing is you have to look at New Zealand, the multiple laws. So I presented this graphic um, at GTNF. I, I was really kind of shocked that a lot of people over there from the UK, from the US, from other countries, um, and some of the tobacco companies think what New Zealand's about to do is, well, not all of them, but um, some of the tobacco companies think what New Zealand's about to do is good, and I do not understand that, but, you know, okay. Uh, they um, And other people did not realise that they everyone has heard about the age ban, the generation thing, whatever you want to call it, it's a sinking lid on the age of purchase. Year by year, um, you know, they will they will increase that age of purchase. Um, that really isn't, you know, that that's just virtue signaling. Everyone will just get cigarettes from someone who can buy them. So I'm, you know, it's it's an awful piece of legislation on libertarian grounds and, you know, trying to infantilize everybody. But the real kicker is the denicotinization one. So what is written into the laws? And with New Zealand, you have to look at all of the little amendments that have been going on. So they passed the ban on smoking, vaping. Sorry, first it was banning smoking cars. Then they did the vaping regulation. And then they said anything you know, in, you can't vape anywhere where smoking is banned, which means you can't vape in cars if a person under 18 is in there. Um, so they part, they they have this new strategy where they cut it up into like death by paper cut, small pieces of amendment, which is a small amendment to one aspect of this. Then people can't see the whole picture. So they did the car one, and now they and then they did the vaping regulation one. And now they're doing the tobacco product one. Many of the features of the vaping regulation one, like licensing vaping retailers, um, restricting flavors, um, potentially capping nicotine, they haven't done that yet. They haven't done that yet. Um, and, and then they do this one. So the vaping regulation set the precedent for what they're going to do now to smoking cigarettes. Because, of course, everyone is saying, well, you've got to have risk-proportionate regulation. You can't be harsher on vaping products than you are on combustible products. Combustible products are the smoking. That's what kills people. You can't have a tougher law. So they had to pass a really tough law on vaping so that they could then come back and go, oh, well, now we've got this imbalance. That's not right. So we need to now pass a really tough law, a harsher law on combustible tobacco products. But you need to look at all of the amendments together and the end goal, the end game that they're always talking about, which is elimination of all tobacco and nicotine products. So this, um, if, you, if you play putt-putt or mini-golf, there's one one of the courses is like a three-leveled one. You start at the top. So at the top, we have about 451,000 people who still smoke in New Zealand, although that's possibly come down a bit, that status for um, 
the next stat I think will be down to around 340,000. And the the golfers, that's the government, and the balls, they've got little faces on them. Those are the people who smoke. So with this little putt-putt and you start at the top, you either choose to try and get your ball down the chute that goes all the way down to the bottom, um, or if that's too hard and it's easier to putt to down one of the tunnels, there are usually three tunnels or something, you putt down there. So the choices are, and this is written into law, obviously in words and black and white, get anyone who currently smokes should quit or switch to vaping, right? So that's that top level. Um, and it's a one-way street. Anyone who vapes should never go back to smoking and they should quit vaping down to the bottom and, and put them down that hole. And that's a one-way street. Nobody who doesn't smoke or vape should ever start smoking or vaping. Nobody who has quit vaping or smoking should ever start smoking or vaping. That's why it's a one-way street. Put them down there, put them down there, put them down the hole, and that's it, buddy. It's all done. We're done. No one smokes, no one vapes, and no one will restart. Now, there was very interesting listening to your FDA guy at the conference, and he kept saying, you know, this is the law, this is the law, we have to figure out how to do it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's just like a home. All they've got to do is write it in the law and then the whole machinery of the Ministry of Health, the whole health system, anyone who basically works for government has to figure out how to enact this game they're playing how do they, what what strategies can they use, what actions, how will the health practice operate, um, how will cessation services operate to enact the law. This is the law. Nobody should ever start. If you smoke, you should quit or switch to vaping and then quit that. Nobody should ever relapse. We are going for complete elimination here. And so, yeah, that was uh, Kristen was was asking for folks who are, are watching at home or or are listening to this on audio later. Obviously, Mariwa has given us the description of the three tiered uh, mini golf uh, adventure here. But it starts with uh, and, and thanks for actually pointing that out. I, I think I might have missed that in your presentation that the people at the top who are doing the putting are the government. They are pushing people down one hole or the other. Uh, and of course, the ultimate goal is a nicotine free society, um, which is, is something that I think we have all discussed as, as, as horribly misguided and, and most likely to result in a bunch of people who were previously selling and consuming illegal product now instantly being turned into criminals. Uh, and, and certainly we can, we can achieve better health without criminalizing people's choices. Um, and this is, this seems like an, an avoidable disaster. Um, so yeah, and 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 as as you're talking about this, I, I you know um, there is a, uh, a 
a, a process to legislation. And so, I, and I, I don't expect you to know all of this, but, um, and, and it does sound a little bit opaque. Uh, it, it feels that way here a lot of the time, especially when amendments are being thrown at things. And uh, even those of us who, who read legislation all the time have to, we struggle to put things in line and, and really get a good understanding of what's being put into a bill um, if we even get to read it. Uh, and, uh, so where, where, it, where are all of these amendments in the process other than I think what was stated in the article is that this is expected to pass in December. Yes, that's right. And yes, I think cigars as a tobacco product will be, um, included. Um, so we've, it's been to parliament for first reading. It's gone to select committee, um, so the health committee heard submissions from the public. Yeah, right. Um, I never got to submit because I chose to do it by Zoom, and I'm waiting there in the, you know, in the green room out the back, whatever you call it, back show, waiting to be let in to do my presentation, and nothing happened. So I emailed. I'm like, what happened? That oh, some of the people before you didn't turn up, so the MPs decided to go to lunch early. You know. Jeez. So and wow. then they offered me the very last day for submissions, and that was when I was on the plane coming over to you guys. So mm. I missed out, um, and it doesn't really matter because they don't—they're not going to listen anyway. The politicians that we have in now uh, have—they—they they do not care about the democratic process, even if some of them did. Most of the submissions are coming from the golfers, the people in the grey shirts putting them down. Most of the submissions are coming from government-funded health agencies, government-funded uh, elected local representatives and local government. So they they mobilise the whole the whole of government structure. Anyone. And they are the largest employer, of course, and they're much larger than they used to be. Anyone paid by government is encouraged to put in a submission, obviously supporting the passage of the bill. So the majority of submissions will be from government-funded people, government-funded agencies, um, many of them who are being told what to think and say. Um, government-funded lobby groups, like non-government organisations that all have contracts from government to do the lobbying of government. I mean, it's just like people think we have a democracy here, but it's it's kind of really more and more and more corrupt with each with each new government that gets in. It's, we're on a pathway um, away from that type of thing. When I was a policy analyst, um, and even when I was in a non-government lobby organisation many years ago, you know, if you had a contract, anyway, it was a sort of, we were told, you know, the government, Ministry of Health were told you're not allowed to fund advocacy. Because you're funding, you're using taxpayers' money, government money, to fund a group to lobby government to pass the law government wants to pass. You know, the, the citizens are the only independent people, right? So, you know, and so, doctors formed lobby groups. So I was part of a group where actually 
it wasn't citizens, it was doctors. Doctors and nurses form lobby groups. And then where are they going to get their funding from? You know, so even Ash New Zealand used to receive a contract from government to lobby government. It's like, and at some point, State Services Commission said, that's not right. Stop doing that. And so, oh, we'll change the word advocacy in your contract to health education, but keep doing what you're doing. So what what um, so I know that Nancy Lucas is 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 uh, active in in New Zealand and I, I'm going to mispronounce this but Aotearoa uh, uh, New Zealand is fine just say New Zealand <laughs> New Zealand okay um, so yeah I know that Nancy Lucas is active there and she's uh, uh, you know been been outspoken on these issues and and done a lot of organizing uh, in in Southeast Asia uh, over the years. Um, what have, what have you guys been, what has she been able to do in terms, we should probably have her on the show. Um, but, uh, since she's not here, but, uh, we have you, has there been any success in, in communicating these issues to, to New Zealand consumers and getting them engaged at all? Uh, the retailers, um, you know, there were a lot of small, cause most of the retailers are small family run businesses. So, I was pleased to see a lot of them did want to talk to the committee. But in the panel that I was supposed to be on, they were the retailers before me and they must have had similar problems as I did trying to get in um, and then they didn't turn up. So very difficult for people working, you know, really long hours, like they're there from 6 in the morning to 11 at night in their shop and then and they don't know how to do this and somehow they've got to get on a Zoom and and submit. But it's, so many of them did put in a submission and that was good. Um, so there's been a little bit of sort of concern raised by the Retailers Association or, or Convenience Store Association, um, but really very little. The way that the whole uh, legislation has been put over to the public is that it's all about getting children to never start smoking um well who's going to disagree with that there's no detail they don't say how low is the nicotine going to be the mm. only detail one is the that the age one people seem to cotton on to that they seem to understand that and there's really not very much kickback. Ash New Zealand have done a submission. They're very concerned about the negative consequences of this. Um, and my, and a, as am I. And, uh, but yeah, Nancy's media releases get a bit of pickup. Um, but not a lot of conversation really about this. It's, it's kind of that, how could you not support a law that's going to make sure that children never start smoking, you know, like what's wrong with you? So you're kind of like everyone is kind of like, ooh, if I say anything about that or against that, I'm going to get cancelled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's a very, very, very much a propagandist kind of situation. They like to put people in. I I had a conversation with uh, someone from an an anti-group. She had called me up to introduce herself and, when I explained our position on things, it immediately went into like, oh, I, th- I thought you were uh, against kids using these products. And I was sort of like, well, you know, 
obviously we we are but in a much much different way and and we're more about empowering people to make better decisions rather than putting them down the hole <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yes it's um there's a lot of that very it's propaganda and the way it's put that you it's a lose-lose you you the only right answer is to support the legislation and there's very little detail in the legislation itself. It just basically has the heading about the sinking lid on the age of purchase and they give it a name, you know, they give it a, you know, I don't know why they're calling it generation, whatever. Mm. Um, but really, you know, it's better to use the words that describe how it's going to work. It's a sinking lid on the age of purchase. Um, so I see that Ash New Zealand and, and they said, look, if you're going to do the age thing, just do the T21. Um, and if you, if, you res if you say no to everything they want to do, so I'm like, if you're going to do that, then just align with the rest of the world or, you know, USA, they seem to want to copy all the time and just do the 21. But um, I don't even agree with that personally. Um, there are a lot of people... Um, you know, smoking among young people is way down, just like it's gone way down in the US. Uh, smoking tobacco is not in with youth anymore. Mm. Um, some vape, uh, but if you look at cannabis, smoking of cannabis, that's really where youth have gone in terms of smoking. Mm. And that's happening here as well. Yeah. So um, we are kind of at the end of the hour, uh, but I, I do want to make sure that we've covered everything. And so are there are there any things that we maybe didn't highlight or discuss enough here? And I know, Logan, I'm sorry I interrupted you a couple of times if you had a, another question for, for Dr. Glover. I only, I only had one, uh, and, and you might need to correct me along the way here, but um, as far as our FDA goes um, and, you know, VLNCs, and mandating uh, lower nicotine levels. A lot of that is tied to uh, the Tobacco Control Act, which actually bars FDA from mandating zero nicotine in cigarettes, but it does give them the power to, you know, I don't know what the, the verbiage is off the top of my head. It's something like to minimally or non-addictive levels. Mm -hmm. um, and is there, is there something similar to that in New Zealand that, that prevents um, health ministries from actually taking it down to zero, similar to what we have here in the U.S.? Exactly. The World Trade Agreements, uh, there may be World Trade Agreements and there will be in okay. international foreign, uh, international trade laws. So you have to have laws uh, that protect foreign investors. Otherwise, why would they come and set up there you know yeah, so we just had yeah. costco open up here um so that's a big you know us chain isn't it so we've got our sure, first yeah. costco so if we didn't have a law uh, that protected foreign invest investors why would they come and set up here because the day after they set up the government could say oh no we're going to ban something about your business the tobacco the cigarette as a product is protected under international uh, investment laws if someone wants to come here, they've been able to come here, they've been able to set up a business, set up, you know, invest lots of money in in distributing a product in New Zealand. Let's say that's a car, and as I said before, and we just say, uh, we're going to ban the combustible engine 
then all of those uh, all of those foreign companies that are, have invested a lot of money to distribute their vehicles here, combustible engine vehicles, suddenly can't sell their product. So that's why we can't go to zero nicotine because that destroys the product. Well, 0.05 milligrams yield um, sure. <laughs> is essentially zero. They are yeah. here going to destroy the product. I think they will be in breach of those foreign investment laws. But we are such a tiny market. I don't think any, any tobacco company is going to bother to challenge this in court or before the World Trade Organization. Um, Why would you for like 350,000 smokers? Mm. Um, If they they don't, then this is going to go boom, 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 boom. And, you know, definitely some of your um, radical, you know, prohibitionist extremist states will be looking to implement this there, especially, you know, Ruth Malone is a, huge advocate of of this um of the nastiest policies so look out california mm-hmm. um the other part of your question yeah i think that's your question right the v- yeah yeah no oh, that, that covered i was just curious as to, yeah i was curious as to whether they were they were dropping down to the vlncs just to to mimic us or if there was something uh, in place, like uh, like what's written into our Tobacco Control Act. So, no, that that completely answered my question. Thank yeah. you. Tobacco control is a global, a global highly sure. networked yeah. group. So, you know, they work on the basis of you know they communicate together. They're working it out together what they want to do, um, and then they've just got to find some dummy state or country to do it. So um, it's it's sort of, it's not really copying each other, but because they this is a big plan, it's been planned for a long time. Um, there was another comment in the chat about the only way VLNCs could possibly work is if there's a wide variety of non-combustible nicotine products available for people to switch to. So this is one of the reasons why some of the anti-vaping and anti-tobacco prohibitionists kind of allowed vaping to be regulated because they saw that it was a pathway to getting um, complete prohibition and they could how they could use vaping. But they made sure to ban the other products, the oral nicotine pouches, um, and they did try to ban the heat not burn but lost the ministry, um, the case the ministry took against Philip Morris about the heat not burn was thrown out. Um, so I, I, but I still don't agree, Damien, um, because I think that people uh, have a right to have access to any risk-reduced product. Um, and also there are some people that do not want to stop smoking. And we have some participants in our Voices of the 5% study. You can follow them online. We put their case stories up um, and the website's Voices of the number 5%inword.nz. Uh, and we have some older people who have been smoking, you know, pretty much all their life. And I'm kind of like, just leave them alone. I mean, we've got a, we've got a woman sure. who's 80. Um, 
you know, we, we've got some really older people and they don't want to stop smoking. This is what they've known. They don't like vaping. It's too, it's just too different from them, uh, for them. It's a technology, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think just leave them alone, you know, like if they want to stop, be there. Make sure they have access to other products. Make sure they have help to understand um, how these new products work. Um, and then there's a whole lot of people with mental health conditions I'm concerned about. Um, just different, you need, you know, different strokes for different folks. Not, And then we've got all this misinformation going out there about vaping. We've got doctors that don't even understand that it, it's less you know, it's less risky than smoking. So there are lots of people being put off vaping by the misinformation campaigns. Um, the other products have been banned. Um, yeah, this was completely engineered, what they're doing here in New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I, I think uh, this might be a good place to end it since uh, we did run a little bit long. But um, I, before before Logan takes us out with all of the things, I did want to say uh, especially thank you for joining us on on your Sunday morning. And uh, it was you in D.C. And I hope uh, in the future. Uh, and thank you. Thank you for shining a light on all of this and, and bringing it to the world's attention so that we can have better conversations about this policy. Um, and, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And, you know, keep an eye out that's coming your way. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to thank you as well. It's it's just always a pleasure getting a chance to speak to you um, and, and getting to, to poke your brain and all of these things. And And thank you for just being the tireless advocate that you are for all of this, um, not only for the indigenous people in, in New Zealand, but for, for people who smoke everywhere, um, you know, on behalf of everybody. Thank you. But I think, I think like Alex said, this is uh, we did run a little bit long, not too long, but a little bit long. So thank you everybody out there uh, tuning in on uh, the replays here in chat. Thank you all uh, for being here as always. Um, I guess it's spiel time. So uh, if you are not a member of CASA, you're doing everything in your life wrong. Everything. Every bit of it, you're doing it wrong. Head over to CASA.org. Become a member. It's absolutely free. Uh, while you're there, uh, we do have a testimonial page if you'd like to share your story about how you quit smoking, regardless of what those products may be. Um, share it. Put it in the testimonial section. Uh, we have over 13,000 testimonials on our site, uh, and it is a really great place to uh, share your story, but also a great way for us to share that with, with everybody else as well. Uh, I mentioned earlier our Facebook state groups. Uh, and, you know, if you live in a state, we have a Facebook group for you to join. So check that out as well. Check out our merch page. We have a, a ton of sweet swag that you can pick up and be that wall walking thr billboard that you've just always wanted to be uh so head over there and check out some of danielle's awesome designs we will be back in two weeks two weeks um i am not super hip to what our twitter spaces are doing right now uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna pan that one over to alex as far as what's going on with twitter spaces uh in the upcoming foreseeable future do we have yeah one? so uh, this, uh, this coming week, uh, we will have a Twitter space on Wednesday. I believe, uh, it should be around three or four. Um, I will get the time sorted out, but we're going to catch up with the folks on the, we vape, we vote tour. Um, so we'll have, uh, I believe, um, uh, 
Tim Andrews from uh, uh, ATR and Amanda Wheeler from AVM, who are both on the RV at the moment. Uh, and, and they'll come and talk to us about the, the campaign and, and how things are going and, uh, and fill everybody in on, on what's up. Cool. So definitely keep an eye out on Kassah's Twitter at Kassah Media uh, for updates on on what's going on there, times and things like that. Uh, I'm sure Kristen will get a, uh, a tweet put out about it so people can click the set reminder on it so they're prepared when we when we have all of that set up. Uh, and again, thank you, Kristen, who's in the background running all the things and pulling up your guys' questions uh, and doing just an amazing job. So I think I think that's it. I think. I think we're good to go. Thank you again, uh, Dr. Gulver, for joining us um, and, and talking about just all of this nonsense, uh, all of this craziness that's going on, not only in New Zealand, but here and in, in, in all over the world as well, uh, regarding nicotine and how it affects people who smoke and how it affects kind of all of us in a way. Uh, because if you, even if you don't smoke or, or I don't smoke, uh, I know plenty of people who still smoke and it, and it does, it affects, it affects all of us. So, so thank you one last time uh, for, for just being incredible and being here. Uh, I think, I think that's it. You got anything else, Alex? I think that's it. Cool. All right. Take care, everybody. Be excellent to each other. We will see you next time. Kristen, take us away. We're out of here. <laughs>